See, this is a verse that's just been on my heart, uh, meditating over the last week or so. John 15, 16. You, did not, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. Or as one of the other translations translates it, I have chosen you to bear fruit and fruit that remains. You know, the last thing that God wants for our lives in, on planet Earth Oh, sorry, there, let me start that sentence again, okay? The thing that God wants for our lives on planet Earth is this, to have a life of significance, and significance that doesn't just last for a moment, a month, a week, or a year, but significance that continues all the way through our lifetime, and actually significance that goes on beyond our life to impact future generations, all the way until Jesus comes back again, and then even more than that, a significance that goes on beyond that into eternity that is what God wants for you he doesn't want our lives to be mundane he doesn't want our lives to be boring and fruitless he wants our lives your life and my life to bear amazing lasting fruit say amen if you agree well wonderful that's um that's about six of us excellent you're doing really well this morning um now I think bible school students college students and and the rest of us okay Uh, I think there are three things that really help us to be fruitful in our lives in a way that that fruit endures and lasts. I want to mention all three and then I want to dive into one specific one. So um, firstly, what helps us to have fruit that remains is training. Again, I believe in the importance of being trained in the word of God. Uh, It is so important. If we want to have lasting fruit in our workplace, in our lives, in our other parts of what we do, then training is so important. My my friend Bob goes golfing. Okay, If Bob is going to be more fruitful at golfing, he needs more training, and he would agree with that. Okay. So he needs training. It's the same in our ministry, our work work with Jesus. If we're going to create spiritual fruit, then we actually need to be trained in the Word of God. And again, a well done to those uh, Bible college students um, and our Bible school students for a great year uh, of training. Uh, The second thing that I believe is really important if we're going to have fruit that remains is taking opportunities Fruitful living only happens when you take the opportunity to grow fruit. Never take the opportunity, no fruit ever grows. A question that's been on my mind recently is around the whole area, what is the place where we have most potential to be fruitful for Jesus? And um, I've been thinking about that because I, I want to be having the most fruit for Jesus, not just a little bit of fruit, abundant fruit, yeah? So where is the place that is the most potential for me to be fruitful for Jesus? And I've come to this conclusion. The most potential I have is exactly where I am. Actually, the only potential I have to bear fruit is exactly where I am. Because if I'm thinking all the time about where can I move to to be fruitful, actually all I'm doing is I'm focusing on the future. The place of potential right now for any of us is exactly where Jesus placed us. So in your workplace, you have the potential to produce lasting fruit by being the best employee or the best boss ever. 
okay? Uh, parents, if you're here this morning or if you're listening in the parents' lounge, okay, God has given you an amazing opportunity to produce lasting fruit by bringing your children up in the way of the Lord. It is a powerful, powerful opportunity uh, and one that we need to take. Young people, uh, we have an opportunity to produce lasting fruit by standing for purity in a very immoral culture in which we are today. Uh, take hold of that fruit. Retired people, uh, you have an opportunity to produce exactly where you are by passing on your wisdom and your knowledge and your experience to another generation. You see, taking opportunities isn't about what's the next opportunity, it's about what's my current opportunity to be fruitful for Jesus. So, um, to be fruitful, get all the training you need to be fruitful. Take the opportunities where you are. And the third one that I want to really dive into this morning is this. It's about the spirit that we carry. You can have the best training in the world. You can have an abundance of opportunities where we are. But if we don't carry the right spirit in here, then we will not be able to produce fruit that remains. Having the spirit of things like greed and uh, lust and pride, that sort of stuff may bring temporary success but it won't produce fruit that goes on for generations yes. and into eternity. So let's think about the spirit that we need to carry to produce fruit that remains this morning. And one of the greatest examples of that, I think, in the Bible is the life of a wonderful man called Caleb. Caleb, it says of Caleb this in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. Okay, God says this. My servant Caleb... Because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Um, I'll come on to the context of that in a moment, but it talks about Caleb having a different spirit. And the result of the different spirit was this, that God took him into the land which he inherited. But it doesn't just say he inherited it, it says his descendants inherited it as well. It was, a it was an inheritance, a gaining something from God, fruitfulness that went on through the generations in the history of Israel. And when we have a spirit, a different spirit like Caleb have, it's not just about a moment in time, it's not even just about a lifetime, it's about flowing in the things that God has for us to receive now that we pass on and it gets passed on and on right the way through into eternity. Anybody want to experience that in your life? Because I certainly do. The last thing I want in many years from now is to be sitting on my deathbed or lying on my deathbed and uh, just wondering what could I have done to have a life that was more fruitful, not just for me, but more fruitful for my children and the generations to come. A life of significance that continues. So what is this spirit of faith? Uh, sorry, what is this different spirit that Caleb had? Firstly, it's a spirit of faith. Um, Numbers 14, 24 um, is the context of this verse that's up on the screen. Uh, sorry, the context. I'm getting a little bit twisted this morning, aren't I? I apologize, okay? The context of the verse up on the screen behind me is this. Um, Caleb and Joshua had just been out to the land of Canaan along with 10 other spies to spy out the land. And they saw a fruitful land, a land that flowed with milk and honey. And in the land, yes, they saw giants, they saw fortified cities, but they saw fruitfulness. And the 10 spies come back and... So the 12 spies come back. 10 said, 
we're never going to do it. We're never going to be fruitful as God wants us to be. We're never going to inherit the land that God has called us to. What did Joshua and Caleb say? They say, let's go and take the land because our God will give it to us. Fundamentally, Caleb had a spirit of faith that the ten spies didn't have. Caleb's faith was this. God has said, so therefore it will happen. That's the spirit that we need to carry. God has said, therefore it will happen. Now, one of the things I admire about Caleb's faith is it was a faith that he made very personal. Joshua 14.12, we read that Caleb came to Joshua, and Caleb says this. He said, give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. Give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You know, For Caleb, I'm sure it was amazing that he thought the whole nation was going to inherit the land of Canaan. But for Caleb, it wasn't just about the nation, the Hebrews, inheriting the whole land. It was about him inheriting his part in the promises of God. He made it extremely personal. Give me the land that God has promised me. Now, I know that God has promised amazing things to the church. Amen? Okay, the universal church, he's promised us uh, abundance of peace and joy and hope and the, the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's promised that we will continue right the way through until he comes again. Uh, the, Jesus has promised amazing things to the whole church. Jesus has promised great things to this church. Haven't got time to go in them this morning, but he has promised great things. However, what I think becomes really powerful is when we take those big promises of God And we pull them right down to me. What is God promising me in the context of what he's promising to everybody? Now, normally I'm the sort of person that would speak about the church as a whole. Because I believe we need to be communal. God has called us to be one body. And uh, in a very individualistic society, we can lose that community aspect. We move forward together in the presence of God. Uh, But actually this morning, I want to be a little bit selfish. Is that okay? Because I want it to be about me, and I want this to be about you as an, an individual, not just the big, but actually the very, very personal. What has God promised you? That requires us to have a personal faith. I want to say to you on this that it's really important to believe God for you. It's so easy to look across the church or across the world and believe that God will bless and help and prosper and make other people fruitful. We can even look to our neighbor and think, wow, I just really believe that God is going to bless them or he's going to bless that family. And then we look at ourselves and we have just a big question mark. Why? Because I know what I'm really like. I don't know what Steve's really like, okay? <laughs> so I can believe that God will really bless him because I, all I know is what I see. Actually, I know what goes off inside my heart and my mind. And when I recognize that, I have a question that that's perhaps sometimes says, you know, God can't really bless me because he, he really knows what goes off in my heart and mind. I want to say to you, whatever goes off in your heart, in your mind, believe God for you. 
Why? Because God's gift is all about grace. It's not about what you earn. It's not about what you can do. It's a free gift of God to each and every one of us. So, what is God promising you? Believe God to bless your life, to give you fruitfulness, to make your family fruitful. Believe God to prosper your finances. Believe it for everybody else as well, but don't leave you out of the equation, okay? Uh, Believe God for you. The the second thing I I notice about the different spirits of Caleb, not only is it a spirit of faith, but that spirit of faith stirred up a spirit of vision. Excuse me. Because for Caleb, it wasn't even just enough to believe that God was going to give him a bit of land. It wasn't enough for him to believe that God was going to make him fruitful. It had to be the specific piece of land that God had already said that he would give him. It was specific. And vision is specific. What was he seeing? He was seeing the bit of land, land called Hebron, for himself. Um, Joshua 14, verse 10 bit of a long passage, but we'll read it. Okay, this is Caleb talking to Joshua. Uh, Caleb says, Now as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well, as he has promised all these 45 years since Moses made this promise. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, today I am 85 years old. Do we have any 85-year-olds with us today? Or over? Oh, wonderful. (laughs) Praise God. So I am 85 years old, and I am strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land, just as the Lord said. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave Hebron to him as his portion of the land." It was a vision for a specific piece of land, the land that God has said to him. Notice that it was based on the promise of God. I I keep stressing this this morning because I think it's really, really important. All this comes back to what God has promised. It's not just plucking stuff out of thin air. Faith is built on the promises of God and vision has to be built on the promises of God. And because God has said to um, Caleb, you are going to have Hebron, Caleb not only believed it, but he actually began to see it. Again, God has promised some great things for you. It's time to let that faith turn into vision where you begin to see. Now, I think there's a big difference because I can believe that God will bless me. Anybody else believe that? Vision is this. When in my heart and my mind, I begin to see what the blessing of God will look like in my life. Because it's not just a general thing. God wants to bless me and you, and I need to have a vision to be able to see that. So what, again, are the big promises that God has promised to us? He's promised peace. He's promised forgiveness, healing, joy, love, grace, and so on. He's promised prosperity. Now, here's something I want us to think about right now. What would prosperity look like in your life? 
What would healing look like in your life? What would peace look like to you? Let's not make this abstract and just big promises out there. Pull it right back down. I believe it, but actually, what, what, what does it look like in my family, in my life, in my finances, in my health? Begin to see it. Okay? Something I've wrote down here. What would freedom from addictions look like in the life of your children? I believe that's for somebody this morning. What would it look like? Let a spirit of vision begin to stir up in you. Well, it's not just the big promises, but how do I pull this down to me and see what God has got in store for me? So again, the vision was based on the promises, but something else I want us to know is this, that it was not based on the obstacles. Now, Caleb wasn't stupid. He, he knew what he saw. And in that passage that we read, he talks about the descendants of Anak. They were giants. Okay? He talks about walled cities uh, that were fortified. He actually talks about being 85 years old. He talks about his age. And we could look at all that and we could say, wow, there are a pile of stuff standing between you and inheriting the fruitfulness and the promise of God. Now, I asked you to think a moment ago what would healing and prosperity and joy look like in your family? Now, we have to be real. There can be 101 things that stand between where we are now and what you saw in your mind a moment ago. And not one of those things is greater than God. Not one of those things is greater than God. You see, the spirit of vision focuses us on certain fulfillment and not potential failure. So often we see potential failure. Wow, that's things too big for me to overcome. That city is too fortified. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm not clever enough. We see all the potential downfalls. God says to you, take your eyes off potential failure and have a vision of certain fulfillment because what God says will come to pass. And he has said, I have chosen you for fruitfulness and have fruit that remains. Let that vision rise up within you. Vision of fruitfulness based on faith in the promises of God. The third thing that I see about the, the spirit of, of Caleb, uh, not only did he have a spirit of faith that stirred up that spirit of vision, but actually that spirit of vision, I believe, stir, believe really stirred up a spirit of courage within Caleb. Um, this is what it says in Joshua 15, 14 to 15. Caleb drove out three groups of Anakites, the descendants of those people there, uh, the sons of Anak. From there, he went to fight against the people living in the town of Debur, firmly called that place there. He fought, actually went to fight against the giants and fight against the fortified cities. You see, Caleb had a spirit that would not just settle for vision. He had a spirit that stirred him to action to see vision become reality. You know, I'm really aware in Christian life, because I've been guilty of it, that 
we love to live in a place of vision because vision's exciting. We have a picture in our spirit, in our mind of what God wants to do. And we get all excited about, about the vision. And we, and we have the faith for, for God to see it through. And we just love to live in that place where we know what God's going to do. And he's going to do that. And he's going to do that. And it's a really great place to live, yeah? But actually, at some point, we have to move from a place of vision. And we have to move into a spirit of courage that begins to see the vision become a reality. Because this is not just about believing what God's going to do in the future. This is about me saying, I'm going to be courageous to fight for what God's doing in my life right now. A while ago, I think it was Sarah Stone, but one of the prophetic ministers that we had uh, came here. And she talked about pulling what's in the future into the present. I don't know if anybody else can remember that talks about what's in the future and pulling it into the present. I'm just sensing right now, it's actually encouraged that we take a future vision and we say, wow, I'm going to walk in that vision right now. I'm going to have a spirit like Caleb. I'm not just going to see Hebron. I'm not just going to see the 45 towns and believe for them. I'm actually going to march against them. I'm going to see it become a reality. Um, So Caleb, he had to step from vision into action and, and went to war. Um, I I think this is a real classic illustration of what it says in James chapter 2 verse 26. It says, faith without works is dead. Action is what brings faith to life. Okay, works is what brings faith to life. Um, We need to act. Now, action is not a substitute for faith. We don't just act. We act on the basis of faith. We act on the promises of God. That's really important. But without action, faith actually remains dead. Without works, it remains dead. And courage is required in order to act. It takes courage to turn away from sin. And um, I'll come back to that in a minute. It, It takes courage to lay hands on the sick. It takes courage to battle through depression. It takes courage to share your faith. And yes, there are giants to be fought when we're overcoming sin. There are giants to be fought when we're dealing with temptation. There are giants to be fought when we're fearful of laying hands on the sick. There are giants to be fought when we're dealing with depression. But I want to say to you this morning, be courageous. It's time to declare war on those things that are separating you from fruitfulness. It really is. It's time to declare war on injustice and poverty and immorality. Again, I I really sense this this morning. I want to be sensitive here. Um, But it's time to declare war on sin in lives. It's time to declare war on temptations that keep coming in such strength that we fall into them time to declare war you can fight against a sexual temptation and win you can fight against apathy and win you can fight against depression and and win you you can fight for your children and and the mess that they're in and you can win but but boy does it take courage to say i'm going to not just see my children released i'm not just going to see myself free from that addiction actually i'm going to step into that place of courage and i'm going to fight to make sure it happens in the here and now
Have a spirit of courage that fights against every weight and every sin which ensnares you. The other thing that I want to note about the spirit of courage, it's not just about stepping from vision into action. It's about taking everything that God has promised. When I was reading that verse um, just this week, it struck me that Caleb went through all those areas of the, the Anakites. And then the second part of that verse, verse 15, it says that this, that from there he went to fight against the people living in the town of Debir. And it struck me how... Wonderful would it have been for Caleb to have gone on that military campaign with, with uh, his clan and actually toppled those cities of giants. Wow! Whew. And how easy would it have been after going through three cities of the Anakites for him to sit down and say, Wow! Hasn't God been good? This is great. We've captured three cities of giants. We've inherited some of what God's got for us. We're just going to enjoy this and be blessed and, and have a season of rest and relaxation as we just enjoy the blessing of God. When actually, there was more to take. Caleb wasn't just satisfied with the cities of the giants, he went on from there and he took the whole region. I think too often we settle for a little when God calls us to take the whole. Now having some success can be the greatest enemy of having complete success. I want us to recognize that. We become content with a little fruit and we fail to push through and take hold of fruitfulness that's abundant and fruitfulness that remains. I don't know if you know the story of um, Tabor, Abraham's dad. Um, It says this, that God called Terah to go to Canaan when Terah lived in Mesopotamia. And that was the original call of God on that family for Abraham's dad. And if you follow the story through, you will notice that Terah took his family from Mesopotamia and they came to a city called Ur. And Terah died there. He left where he was, took his family, according to the command of God, went halfway and died there. Uh, But God is gracious, yeah? So God then speaks to Abraham, Terah's son, and says, Abraham, get out from your father's house, from the place where he settled, and go to the land that I will show you. And it says that Abraham went off to Canaan. So often we stop halfway on the journey halfway to the place of full fruitfulness when God says, come on, it's time to get up and take the next step. I believe God's word to someone today is this, don't stop, there's still more. Don't stop, there's still more. Don't don't settle where you are. I, I believe God's word to somebody else this morning is this, it's time to start moving again. Time to start moving again that we've taken a journey so far. And boy, it's been a good journey in our lives, great seasons of fruitfulness, but we've taken a journey so far and we've stopped and we've settled. It's time to let that courage flow again and to start moving again.
Start moving into destiny. Start moving into fruitfulness. Because, you know, when we have that spirit of courage that is prepared to take everything, I believe with God we can demolish strongholds, we can break chains, and we can advance in victory in our own lives, in our family, in our church. If there are things that are preventing you from having fruit, today is a day of declaring war in the name of Jesus. Is that easy? No. Does it take courage? Absolutely, because it's not just about declaration. It's about then going and working that through. You want to have fruit that remains anybody? I do. Again, just what I said at the beginning, get all the training you can. I believe that's important. Take the opportunities that you can where you are, but above all that, make sure we're carrying the right spirit. Perhaps a spirit like Caleb, but a spirit of faith, a vision, a spirit of courage. Now, I believe God's challenging some of us around a few of these areas. Um, I've certainly felt a challenge as I've prepared this message, and um, as I've shared it. Um, but two particular areas around vision and courage. Some of us have spent too long focusing on the obstacles rather than looking to fulfillment. And we come up with 101 reasons why it's too difficult or God isn't going to do this at this point in time. And, uh, and we put it off and we put it off and say, maybe in the future God will turn the whole situation around. God wants us to pull it into the here and now. It's time to stop looking at the obstacles and focusing on fulfillment. I think some of us as well have, for a whole variety of reasons, have refused to tackle significant issues in our life. We just haven't had the courage to deal with that one thing. Again, I, I believe today, I, you know, I want to see us encouraged. And by that, I just, my heart is that courage will be imparted to you to actually tackle some of the stuff. Some of the big stuff. And I, I believe this, that if we are prepared to tackle the big stuff in courage, if we prepare to look to fulfillment rather than obstacles, I believe that today can actually be a day which we marks a significant step forward in our journey towards fruitfulness that remains. I really believe that. Again, it's a challenge, and I make no apologies for being a little challenging this morning. Anybody want to be fruitful? Anybody want to be courageous? <laughs> Anybody want to have vision? <laughs> Today is a day where we can step forward in those areas.